Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, we are live, but we got to let the stream breathe for just a couple of seconds. You know the drill. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, my partner in crime, my fellow football priest. You know him, you love him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, tonight we're going to get into the depth chart that was released today, the first of the year. You know, it's the first time we've kind of seen how the coaches are viewing the depth chart and different roles, different players, and how some of these position battles resolve. We're going to get to that tonight, but the first thing, I wanted to get your take on was this ranking from Sam Monson of Pro Football Focus ranked all 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Wild guess where he where do you think he ranked Drew Locke? 32. What was your gut reaction to that? You know what I I can't say I'm surprised, and that's the sad part. I can't say um angry or taken aback because this is what I come to expect from the national media and especially pro football focus. We've mentioned this Chad multiple times this off season alone, how much of a, for lack of a better word, a joke PFF has become with their hot takes and these and vying for clicks and pandering to the lowest, the lowest common factor of Twitter, the, the idiot casual fans who have no idea what they're watching and no idea what they're looking at, and they recognize the Pro Bowl names and nobody else. To put Drew Locke, who went 4-1 last year, below a rookie like Joe Burrow, who's yet to take one single snap in the NFL, below a guy named like Mitch Trubisky, who was a bust, who had to beat out Nick Foles, behind a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's been a journeyman his entire career, for a young quarterback to go 4-1 last year and beat two quality teams and the Chargers and Texans, and quite handily, 
Again, this is why let him hate exist, Chad. This is why, like Dylan says right there, this is why we have that hashtag. This is why that shirt is hanging in my closet right now because the national media will continue disrespecting the Broncos. And I'm not mad. I actually, like I said, I encourage it. I want the disrespect to pile up. They can put it on their whiteboard, their bulletin board. They can keep it in their memory because like Sam Monson, like Nick Wright, like Adam Rank, they are all one by one by one going to be proven wrong this season, Chad. And I cannot wait to see the heaping feast of crow that will be taking place in 2020. The cognitive dissonance here is stunning because as you said, I'm going to read the quote here from Monson. We're not going to spend too much time on this, but I'm going to read this actual clip, this quote from Monson, but he references, of course, the sample size. Well, again, how can you penalize a quarterback in the rankings based on sample size and then vault a different quarterback who's a rookie yet to step foot on an NFL field higher. It doesn't make any sense. And it kind of speaks again. And I go into this in the article at myhighhuddle.com guys, go check it out to the fact that for whatever reason, PFF is operating on some sort of a anti-lock bias. My own suspicion, Zach, is that it stems from two things. One, he wasn't a first round pick Two, whatever their pre draft evaluation was of lock. It wasn't good. They didn't view him as a first rounder. And when you get to that pivot point when the player proves you're wrong and you go, wow, he outkicked his coverage, he's better than I thought he was going to be. Instead of saying, you know, just falling on the sword, admitting that you were wrong and that this kid has impressed you and and whatnot, they dig in deeper. And that's kind of what PFF has done. Here's Sam Monson's rationale for Drew Locke being ranked behind every fellow 2019 drafted quarterback and every other starting quarterback in the league. Quote, despite even less evidence of quality play than Dwayne Haskins optimism surrounding Drew Locke seems to be far higher despite even less evidence of quality play than Haskins. Give me a break as rookies Locke had fewer positively graded plays and big time throws than Haskins, albeit on fewer snaps as a starter. He certainly flashed the potential to be good, but we just haven't seen enough to suggest that he belongs any higher than the worst in the NFL. The encouraging news is that Denver threw everything it had at the roster this offseason to surround Locke with the best possible supporting cast, so he will have a dramatically improved group of players to help him thrive in year two, close quote. Again, Zach, the cognitive dissonance here, it is stunning. I was just looking up uh, Dwayne Haskins' stats last year, and to bring up Haskins among all the other quarterbacks that Locke needs to be over and not underneath, Haskins went 2-5 and five last year for the for the Washington football team, and you compare that to what Locke went last year, which was 4-1 and one for the Broncos, how was he a better quarterback? How could you look at those records and come away thinking that Locke doesn't have the higher ceiling? He also brought up the fact he doesn't make plays outside the pocket where the stats literally prove that wrong. He made plays in every facet of the quarterback position last year, inside the pocket, outside the pocket, conventionally, unconventionally, it's one person's opinion, and I tend to agree with what you were saying, Chad. It seems like they had a predetermined narrative about Locke coming out of Missouri last year, and no matter what he did in his rookie season, it wasn't going to change that narrative. It's like locked in their head, no pun intended, and they're just continuing to die on that hill. And you know what? It's on a hill worth dying on. He's a better quarterback than they are giving him credit for. He's a better quarterback than a lot of people think he's going to be. And you know what? I cannot wait week by week by week this season for Locke to prove everybody wrong. This is a franchise quarterback, and he is far from the number 32-ranked quarterback in the NFL. He'll be among the upper half when all is said and done, Chad. 
I don't think we really need to say anything more than that. I think you guys know how we feel about it. This is, <clears throat> gosh, in the calendar year of 2020, I don't know, man, this is probably the 10th, 11th, 12th, something like that article or hot take on Drew Locke that we've had to crush down with our heels here on the Huddle Up podcast. It's gotten to a point where it's just par for the course. We're desensitized to it. But as as Zach pointed out, let him hate, man. It's all fuel for the fire. The chip on the shoulder only grows. And, you know, Drew Locke's still pissed off that he didn't get drafted in the first round, and he's out to prove everybody wrong. And it's going to be fun to see. Now, on one hand, look, I had a lot of people reach out to me on Twitter. You know, there's always the contrarian, right, that wants to – even Broncos fans that want to pick nits. I don't know why you're being so triggered over this PFF ranking. You know, I don't know why your, your, your response is so extreme. There is some truth in that. You know, maybe he doesn't deserve to be ranked higher because, let's face it, it was only five games. Totally missing the forest for the trees here with regard to Drew Locke because this is a kid that in those five games outperformed so many players on this list. And even if we just keep it to the rookies, he outperformed Haskins. He outperformed Daniel Jones. You can make an argument about Gardner Minshew, and I'll listen to you. And you can make an argument about Kyler Murray, and I'll listen to you. But none of those quarterbacks that I just mentioned had the same type of galvanizing effect, the, the tide that raises all ships, than Drew Locke did on his team. And let's face it, last year, the 2019 Broncos, Zach, they were facing a dearth of talent. They didn't have much more right. to work with if you're Drew Locke than uh, Dwayne Haskins in Washington or Kyler Murray in Arizona. I mean, all these teams, there's a reason they're drafting quarterbacks in the first round. You know, they're either in the midst of a rebuild or freshly starting a rebuild. And so the fact that, you know, this is something that uh, our colleague Nick Kendall, bless his heart, he likes to uh, challenge the notion that, you know, quarterback win percentage should have anything to do with quarterback evaluation. I think it's not the necessarily the, the end-all, be-all, but it's a factor. And if you can't recognize out there in the national landscape that Drew Locke, amongst all of his rookie peers at the very least, remove everybody else for now, had that effect more so on his team than any other, 4-1 and one as a starter compared to, what did Kyler Murray, 16 starts, he won five games. We just looked into it. Gardner Minshew won six games, went six and six as a starter. Daniel Jones, I think he won two games, if I'm not mistaken. And Dwayne Haskins, I mean, it was just a, it was just a crap show, Zach. You know what, to, to the people who say our reaction is over the top, it's like play stupid games, win stupid prizes. You come with an over-the-top take, you're going to get an over-the-top response. To put it at number 32 deserves to be shot down. And we all saw it last year. You mentioned the talent, Chad, the coaching. Who did he have to work with? He had a, a rookie coordinator. He had a rookie head coach. He had no real mentor in Joe Flacco. I mean, he had no real someone to lean on. He was on IR. He was coming in cold, and he still went 4-1, and one, and he looked better in a smaller sample size than other quarterbacks did who were drafted higher than him in a bigger sample size. As long as you're an objective, unbiased football fan, if you turn on the tape from 2019, you come away thinking Locke has a future. To say number 32, that means he has no future. It means he's the bottom of the barrel, and he's just there. He is far from being just a jag, Chad. Listen, we're the first ones to admit he's not a Hall of Fame caliber prospect. He's not Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes, but he has the potential to be the best Broncos quarterback since Peyton Manning. 
Again, it's not saying much. They've been through a lot, the Broncos, and they're kind of being penalized through the national scope of failing with quarterbacks over and over and over again. They're thinking, okay, he's another Lynch. He's another Osweiler. He's another Flacco. They can't pick a quarterback, so why should Locke be any different? The difference is Locke is different. Locke will buck that trend, and that's where they're going to come to know in 2022. Can't wait to see it. We got Machiavelli, the GOAT. Been a minute, my friend, as he says here. Really appreciate that generosity. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you. Chat. Thank you, my friend. You know, you, you're watching every single pod. He says, uh, my guys, it's been a minute. I watch every pod. Good to hear, my friend. And it's, but it's just always better having you in the stream. He says, we finished 11-5, and five, and Locke will finish as the seventh best quarterback in the league. Journalists and analysts are just being lazy. Yeah. And I agree with that. I agree with that wholeheartedly Machiavelli. I don't know exactly about the seventh best in the league. We'll see, but I think he'll be up there. I think he'll be in the top half of the league and uh seventh. I mean, that's if, if drew lock finishes this season, Zach as a top 15 quarterback, it probably means the Denver Broncos did a lot of good things on the field and stacked some W's in the standing. And by the way, again, Machiavelli really appreciate that generosity in the super chat. Appreciate you, bro. I was I was gonna say real quick, Chad. If they have yep. the seventh best quarterback with a top five defense, that's better than eleven and five. That's like thirteen and three. That's you know vying for one of the top seeds in the AFC. If he's the seventh best quarterback in the NFL, the Broncos will be a dangerous, dangerous team this season. We got George jumping in. Love it when George is in the stream. Thank you, here. George. Really appreciate your generosity, my friend, and hope you had a good Labor Day weekend. Hope all of you had a good Labor Day weekend. Got to spend some time with family and enjoy yourselves. He says, uh, get ready for a wild and exciting ride as the Drew Locke era truly begins in week one. Hashtag Denver Broncos for life. Hashtag let them hate. Really appreciate that. Yes, George. And uh, Greg Smith as well on Facebook, jumping in. Good to see you. Rocking the let them hate t-shirt. Love it. it. Says Chad and Zach, Drew Locke is being treated worse than Rodney Dangerfield <laughs> getting respect. Yep. We got a lot more we want to get to tonight, gang. But first, we got to handle a couple of quick matters of business. As you know, we got to point your attention to sportsbetting.com. Head on over there and enter into the million-dollar football pick'em contest. It is fun. It is free to enter, and you could come away with a million bucks. And as you can see here, there's ten grand guaranteed to the top five finishers. Head over to sportsbetting.com and make your picks for week one. This is something that is exciting for the season opener, the season opening week, but this is something that's going to be going throughout the season, different weeks. It's going to be a lot of fun. Head on over to sportsbetting.com and enter in your opportunity to win a million bucks. All right, Zach, a couple of things, and then we'll get back to the chat stream. We'll get back to the depth chart. I think we've uh, flogged the dead horse. So, you know, I mean, we'll, if people still want to exercise some demons, we'll still continue to talk some Drew Locke with you. Um, make sure you're following the podcast on Twitter. This is especially crucial if you are among our Super Chat Superstar community. Follow us on Twitter. If you're new to Super Chat, still follow us on Twitter. We like to be able to tag our superstars after each podcast, shout you out, show some love, at Huddle Up Pod. And then while you're at it, follow the main account, at Mile High Huddle. You get those two followed on Twitter. You're not going to miss anything podcast related or as it relates to breaking Broncos news and analysis. And then a gentle reminder, gang, head on over to huddleuppod.com and get your swag on. Zach, we've had quite a few new orders that have come through just the last couple of days, a little spike, a lot of let them hate orders. There's a few, uh, well, basically it's been all let them hate the last few days. So 
really appreciate you guys uh, patronizing and yes. supporting us on huddleuppod.com, on the merch store. Just another way you could support what we're doing. Get a hat, get a T-shirt, get a face mask, get a mug, little something for everybody. And as it's getting cooler out there, as we start getting into the fall months, get yourself one of the hoodies. There's a few different options on hoodies, plus the face mask keeps you safe and also keeps that face warm when the weather starts getting a little cool. And remember, fans, back in the stands, as far as the Broncos are concerned, week three when Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks come to town. So make sure you're prepared for all climbs, all weather. Head on over to huddleuppod.com. And if you're not in a position to patronize the merch store, it's all good. We're just happy to have you here with us. But we do ask if you love what we're doing here, if you really appreciate the content we're bringing you on a daily basis. Make sure you're subscribed, whatever platform you're enjoying this, whether it's live with us on YouTube or Facebook, if it's a podcast after the fact, just make sure you're subscribed. So you're notified every time we upload and we go live, like this video, like this podcast episode and share it out there. Those three things each and every one of you can do. And it goes a long way towards supporting the cause here at MHH, helping us continue to grow. Shout out real quick here, Zach to our, that's weird. It's not showing it. Oh, it's doing it in the ticker. That's right. I changed it to a ticker. Shout out to our, our Facebook supporters here. The names are, it's the list is continuing to grow. We've already kind of gotten past the point where we can name on the show each and every one of you. So we're going to go ahead and just have you in the ticker here. But big props, much love to you guys. If you want to, if you're on Facebook, you want to become a supporter, just go to facebook.com slash mile high huddle. You'll see the big blue button, become a supporter. Click that. Boom, you're in the fold. You're part of the family. And it's another way to support what we're doing here. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. All right, Zach, let's see. Uh, I want to grab this this super chat from Mike before the, the stream jumps in. Mike Evans, consistent, one of the most consistent members of this community in terms of supporting what we do and active on on super chat and Thank Mike, you, you know we appreciate you, bro. And yes. and uh, we got to get you back on the show here in the very near future. Zach and I are dying to talk to you again. He says, uh, "I need your opinion. Do defensive coordinators have enough tape on Drew to make things difficult for him, or will the scheme and the talent overcome?" You know, I think we're all Zach a little bit in the dark on this in terms of how much or how little NFL teams have intelligence wise on Drew Locke. I think he did show some things in terms of tendencies that he put on tape last year but as a defensive coordinator you don't know how much to read into that because he was a rookie you know everything was still going a mile a minute for him and you could tell clearly at times Rich Scangarello had really pared down some of the some of the considerations some I wouldn't say pared down the offense but really you know 
coached him to be conservative in many ways. And you could really see that in those final three games of the season. But what's your answer for my kid? You know what? In an offseason where there's no preseason or you know lack of practices, teams and defensive coordinators actually do have some tape on Drew Locke, and they'll take that from last year. The thing is, though, he's a different quarterback in year two. He has different coaching. Uh, he has different tendencies, to use your word, different nuances. He's working on his throwing mechanics. He's going to look like a more refined quarterback this year, and fortunately for Denver, that has been put on tape, so teams can't study that just yet. But as the season goes along, and that's something we touched on, is the Broncos might have some success early on, and then it's when t- coordinators and defenses start to adjust, adjust to lock. How can he overcome that? Will he overcome that? Will he become better or will he cave under the pressure? That's something I want to see as the season goes on. But in this type of offseason, you're looking at teams that are studying like we are. Training camp reports, tweets, videos. They're looking at every little tidbit they can get to glean some information on their opponents. And you know that teams are reading that lock struggled against the kind of against in the scrimmage against the pass rush. He's had some interceptions in training camp. They're going to try to key on what they perceive his weaknesses to be. And it's up to the coaching staff, Pat Shermer, Mike Shula to either hide those weaknesses or turn them into strengths. And for what it's worth, Vic Fangio has let slip a few times since training camp started that they did carry over some of the things that drew lock liked from the Scangarello scheme to the Pat Shermer scheme. How much and exactly what we don't know, we'll be able to tell once we get some tape. Um, but it'll be interesting to see exactly how much of Scangarello's philosophy gets woven into what they're doing here with Pat Shermer. Uh, let's grab David Kilgore, another one of our foundational members here in the community. Love the profile pick, as always, my friend. Same hat I'm rocking now, and he's got the MHH face mask. Love it, dude. Appreciate your Thank generosity, you, as always, DK. Is our offense going to have any issues with the Titans defense since they signed Jadevi on Clowney? Now, Zach, we kind of teased this on the way out the door last night on last night's stream. What's your answer for David Kilgore with, you know, there's kind of a few things. The Titans are a little bit of a different team heading into week one than we anticipated and so are the Broncos with the loss of Todd Davis. Obviously, he's going to be a handful if he's on the field. I mean, it's no guarantee because he signed so late. He has to go through CV testing and learn the playbook and conditioning. He's been sitting on his behind for most of the offseason waiting for offers. He's not in game shape just yet. He might be on a pitch count against the Broncos, but even on that pitch count, he has the potential to wreck the game. It gives me the chills thinking about Clowney one-on-one versus Elijah Wilkinson. The Broncos, if he plays, they have to give him help with a tight end or a running back or chip him. They got to put someone on his side because it's not just clowning on that defense, Chad. They have Jeffrey Simmons, they have Harold Landry, they have Vic Beasley. That's a very talented front seven, and clowning just adds another level of explosion and playmaking ability to that. So they're going to have their hands full in, in passing mode. Against the run, they can wash them out of the play, but when Locke goes back to pass, Chad, they got to give Wilkinson and Bowles both a lot of help. I think he's going to play. I, I think he'll they'll use him a lot to rush the passer, so that's going to be a concern. But I think you're right in that he's not going to be able to go straight from the street playing you know, 98.5% snaps like you might see Von Miller. They already, for what it's worth, though, they do have Jadeveon Clowney already listed as the number one player on his depth chart. Vic Beasley was basically demoted when Jadeveon Clowney was Signed. So you've got some formidable pass rush here, not just Jeffrey Simmons, who's kind of the successor to Jarrell Casey in Tennessee, but you've got, as I mentioned, Beasley. Plus you got Harold Landry and now Clowney. So it's going to be a, a handful for this team. And that kind of ties in a little bit to the depth chart 
the way it's shaken out heading into week one, we're going to get to that. But before we do, I want to grab BNS here. Really appreciate the super chat, my friend. Thank you. And uh, he says, uh, first live show in a minute with work and all. Understandable. Thanks for being with us, my friend. Uh, offense and defense aside, what is the state of our special teams? I've literally heard zero on the subject. Yeah, it hasn't been talked about a lot because there haven't been the traditional reps in the preseason that you get to kind of start putting your finger on the pulse of how it's shaken out. All I've heard up to this point is that Sam Martin looks good as the punter. Brandon McManus is McManus. The question for me is punt and kick coverage. Can they tighten that up over the last couple of years uh, under Tom McMahon? And can Deontay Spencer, to use Vic Fangio's verbiage, can he finally break one or two? Because he had some solid returns last year, but he just could never break the big one, take it to the house. And the Broncos do have a new long snapper in Boban Moyer. So it's it's worth keeping in mind. My biggest thing is the coaching, Chad. Everyone knows out there I'm not the biggest McMahon fan. I'm surprised he, he survived this offseason's kind of purge with Scangarello. They have the players back there. McManus looks like he's more McMoney than, than not than he was in years past. Morton is an upgrade on Colby Wadman. It's not saying much. And like you mentioned, Deontay Spencer, I think he will break one this season. But I look for McMahon to also eventually work KJ Hamler into the fold when he's healthy. That's a level of explosion Hamler that Deontay Spencer can't match. And I think they get him back there. He could break one. And they want him to be the punt returner of the future. So for me, special teams all comes down to coaching like most other spots on a football team. This is a good note for me that in the super ticker right there as it's passing by, it says Jay and Ariel uh, Guerin or Guerin. But it's Jay Ritchie and Ariel Grin. I got to fix that next time. Jay Ritchie jumping in. Appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, you and Ariel. And, you know, if you're on Twitter, I don't know if you guys are on Twitter, but reach out. Let's connect and and keep the conversation. It's another way to keep the conversation going with us uh, after these live streams end. But he says, fellas, Jay and Ariel here. What do you see as the offensive game plan? I can see Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon sharing 30 carries. How will Pat Shermer call the game? Really interesting question, and it's exciting, man. It gets me going because we're finally at that point, man, where we can actually start talking game plans. We can start looking at opponents and and figuring out how this thing's going to shake out. But, Zach, <clears throat> since we are just kind of starting, I'll call this a game week. I think we are in a game week. That's traditionally, even though we're Monday night, uh, we're in a game week. And I would say offensively, because of what we just talked about with Clowney and that pass rush for the Titans – and the fact that, you know, it's Drew Locke in a new scheme, first game as the guy, as the starter, entering a new era. You want to complement him, balance him out with a solid rushing attack. And I think the Broncos are going to try to get that ground game going early and really living off the play-action game, gashing this team down the field. Defensively, though, that's where I get into a little bit of a, of a panic mode because, tradition, you know, based on the, the Ryan Tannehill film, from week six on last year, I would say, hey, if you can stop Derrick Henry, you, game one, because Tannehill, he's, he had a few games where he really shined, and I don't want to take anything away from him, but your odds of winning significantly go up against the Titans if you can stuff Henry, and they did that last year. That's one of the reasons why in a close game they were able to defeat the Tennessee Titans. They bottled him up, but there's no Todd Davis this time, and I'm sorry to tell you, I think that's really where it's going to hurt the Broncos initially is in their run fits because Josie Jewell, he's a solid linebacker, but he's smaller. He's not as powerful. He doesn't get off blocks as easily. And he's just not quite, in my opinion, as an intuitive run fit linebacker as Todd Davis. So I think you're going to see the Titans really try and exploit that weakness 
and really push the Broncos in the middle of the field, whether it's on the ground or through the air. Right there with you, yeah. They're going to lean heavily on Derrick Henry, the Titans, and also setting up play action for their tight end, John New Smith, and they're going to match him up against Davis's replacement. They know that tight end coverage, inside linebacker coverage, has been Denver's Achilles heel for quite a while now. That's defense, is load up the box, stop Derrick Henry, make Ryan Tannehill beat you. On offense... If this game was on the road, I would say it would be very run-heavy to kind of protect Locke and ease him into the season and not have to uh, force him to, into any precarious situations. But at home, no fans, kind of a calmer environment. You know, it's the Monday night game. They're going to open up the offense just a little bit. You're going to see a ton of Gordon, a ton of Lindsay, a lot of play action. You're going to see some deep, deep shots down the field, too, to Sutton, to Judy, to Hamler if he plays. I would not be surprised, Chad, if the first play of the game on offense for Denver is a long shot shot down the field to establish themselves like we're not just this ground and pound boring team we're not just a throwback we're a new age offense with a hot young quarterback we want to push the ball down the field I can definitely see that happening you're not going to see 50 passes from Locke in week one but you'll see more than 20. Shout out to Bobby who is back with us after a tussle with that yes stupid CV bug gosh dang it but she's back in the saddle and we all welcome her back it's good to have you. So glad to hear you're getting back on your feet. Might not be 100% quite yet, but it's so great to have you back in the stream, Poppy. So welcome. And I want to get to this depth chart. Shout out to Dylan here, jumping in on Super Chat, a longtime listener and superstar here in the community. He says, one week, one goal. Hashtag Broncos country. Hashtag MHH. Love it. And that's where we're at. We're in the game week. So let's talk about the news today with an eye toward week one against the Titans. We're officially one week out. The depth chart finally dropped today. No surprise, Zach Drulock, Jeff Driscoll in order as your depth chart, where it begins to reveal things we didn't know or the newsworthy items of the depth chart. Is it running back? As you guys can see here on the screen, the Broncos kind of did a cop out. They kind of took the easy way out here. They didn't name a starter. They basically put Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay as co-starters. Zach, I want to just start out with your what that means to you. And really, is this simply did did Gordon do enough to earn that first and foremost? No. Or is it nominal in the sense that they're trying to justify the money? And what does it mean to what does it say to Philip Lindsay? What's the message to Philip? First of all, am I the only one? I cannot be the only one who hates the idea of co-starters. I just think it's lazy from a football team or from a depth chart purpose to not just list in order. It seems like they cut out fourth string and just one, two, and three now. I hate the idea of co-starters, but in this case, a tie is a win for Philip Lindsay. If a guy making 750000 can be in a 1A, 1B timeshare, if he's tied and a co-starter with a guy making $8 million, that's a win for the cheaper guy, the hungrier guy, the more motivated guy. Philip Lindsay had an excellent, fantastic training camp. Melvin Gordon was kind of just there. He had a rib injury. He was, you know, he looked good every now and then. He caught some passes. But for $8 million, Chad, you have a guy making, um, you know, less than an eighth of that outperforming you, I think that's a huge win for Lindsey. And like we've been saying the entire offseason, he will be your starting running back on most occasions. It's going to be very game plan specific as to how they tried out the running backs, but Lindsey is the better player. He will have more explosive plays. And by the end of the year, there is no contest or comparison as to who is the better Broncos running back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Although here at Mile High Huddle, we know that Broncos country is not a geographic location, but rather a state of being. For those located in the state of Colorado, 
There's $1 million up for grabs in the SportsBetting.com Pro Football Pick'em Contest. What's amazing about SportsBetting.com's Pick'em is that it's absolutely free to play. I can vouch for this because just a few minutes ago, I hopped on SportsBetting.com and entered the contest, made my picks, and it was not only easy, it was fun. All you have to do is make 16 picks against the spread and 16 over-under picks in the NFL's Week 1 slate of games. If you get all your picks correct, you'll walk away with $1 million. Winner, winner, chicken dinner, and here's the kicker. SportsBetting.com is guaranteeing a $10,000 prize pool to the top five finishers with the first runner-up getting five grand. Not a bad consolation prize. It's free, easy, fun, and you could walk away with big bucks if you get all your picks correct. Enter the $1 million contest at sportsbetting.com slash pick'em dash football. That's sportsbetting.com slash pick'em dash football. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy-efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. I view this as a situation where the Broncos recognized both internally as far as locker room optics and externally as far as what it means to media and fans. They had to tread lightly. They wanted to make Melvin Gordon the starter regardless of what shook out in training camp, even though Philip Lindsay outplayed Melvin Gordon in training camp. And again, it's training camp. So, you know, jobs are won and lost, but it's not the be all end all. If you're already an established starter, you know, these guys know how to pace themselves. They know kind of how to roll with the punches with, with regard to training camp and kind of conserve their energy. That was definitely the MO for Melvin Gordon. Meanwhile, Philip Lindsay, he took every touch, every snap, Every time he was on the field, he was trying to send a message. So on one hand, I do agree with you, Zach, that it's a it's a triumph in a sense that Lindsey maintained a, at least a co a co starter role. But at the same time, I think it's a cop out from the team in terms of they didn't want to upset the apple cart internally. They didn't want the storylines to come out uh, in the media that Melvin Gordon came in without any kind of game action, any kind of exposure to outside competition. He unseats not just the incumbent starting running back, Zach. But a team leader, Philip Lindsay, the Colorado kid himself, back-to-back thousand. I mean, how many guys, how many running backs rush for a thousand yards in back-to-back seasons are still well in their prime years as a player? Barely. And they get basically demoted. How often? I mean, I'm trying to think. When's the last time that happened? I'm sure there's some occasion out there, some you know, football historian could point out to me. But if you have to really think about it, you you get my point. And so I see this more, Zach, as a cop out in terms of the Broncos were hell-bent to make Melvin Gordon the starter, and they did this, putting Lindsey here as a co-starter, simply to avoid controversy, probably mostly within their own locker room, because Lindsey's a leader. 
Yeah, so stupid. The, the first name who came to mind would be Leonard Fournette in Jacksonville. He had a great year and then kind of just faded away into uh, obscurity. But he was only good because of volume. He wasn't good because of sheer talent. Philip Lindsay had limited carries. He's been splitting carries each year in the NFL so far and has made a thousand yards on a Pro Bowl despite all of that. So he was the hunger guy this summer. He was the more motivated guy this summer. Melvin Gordon to me was kind of complacent. He came, he got off the Chargers. He got his wish there. He got $8 million a year. His other wish was to be highly compensated. He was probably assured when he was signed, he's going to be the 1A to this uh, running game. So he was like, he, he took a sweet little time coming to Denver, getting acclimated. He wasn't there right away. He waited until training camp started to come to Denver. Lindsey was there. He moved out of his parents' basement, Chad. He got his own place, and he has a family now. Lindsey is just the hungrier guy, and you can't teach that. You can't coach that. And when that happens, the hungry guy always wins. The expression, you know, low man always wins. In this case, hungry man always, always wins. I love it. It's a good analogy. <clears throat> as as Lindsey himself said, man, it doesn't matter who they pay, who they bring in. They got to get through me, and that's very hard to do. And I think in that sense, Zach, we we credit I, Lindsay that he was able to hold on and withstand the political, um, you know, the political push from way up high, yeah, at Dove Valley, to basically unseat him, to usurp him, basically, and and he withstood that. We'll see now if he can continue to withstand it with live bullets flying. I think both of us are remain confident he will be able to. Uh, discount audio and wheels da dub jumping in on super chat thank you my thank friend you. good to have you back in the stream he says let them keep hating when we end up in the playoffs and making noise Locke will get his praise yes sir you know, the problem is similar to like undrafted guys now it's nowhere near extreme but quarterbacks who fall out of the first round they basically have to outproduce their first round peers they basically have to double that production in order to start getting the same type of credit they would get if they were the first round quarterback set. Yeah, it's just it it doesn't it's it's a it's a, a uphill battle he has to climb through no fault of his own because he was a second round pick. He didn't choose to go in the second round. It wasn't his choice. He fell for reasons where he was a little inexperienced in Missouri or he had some question marks around his, his mental processing and his technique. But you know what? Tom Brady was a six round pick, Chad. There's so many quarterbacks. Russell Wilson was a third round pick. Dak Prescott was a fourth round pick. There's so many examples of quarterbacks who are not first round picks who got on to have great careers. And, you know, contrarily, how many first round quarterbacks have busted in recent memory? It's not the end all be all anymore. I don't care where he was taken. If he can play quarterback, I want him on my football team. I would say. Half of the first-round quarterbacks that are ranked higher than him that have been drafted in the last two or three years on that list from PFF that we talked about at the top of the show, half those guys won't even be starters three years from now. Right. And they're first-round picks. So, anyway, let's grab Terry's super chat here. Really appreciate you, my friend. Everyone knows what those emojis yes. mean. Hashtag football priest, hashtag state of being. And as you know, and if you're a new listener to the show, new member of this community – Terry is one of these members that inspired and exemplifies the hashtag state of being up there in Canada. He proves that Broncos country is not a geographic location. It's wherever you are. And Terry, we appreciate your passion. We appreciate your consistency and we love having you in the stream. Thank you, my friend. And also a shout out to Zeus who is like Mike, like Terry, like so many of our, our superstars, consistent, Every single chat, he's in the stream contributing to the conversation. He's throwing down on Super Chat. He's supporting the cause. I love he's that. Sending us, 
that we have, uh, you know, he sent us some mementos, some keepsakes that, you know, I said this on Twitter today. I, I sent out a tweet that showed some of the stuff that some of these great members in the community have sent, like Mundungas and Duke and Stu and, um, of course, um, Glenn as well. And I mentioned that, you know, for for Stu, he sent us some really cool mementos, um, keepsakes from United, from the airline that, yes. he, that he works for. And if we packed up shop and called it quits tomorrow, Zach, on this podcast, which ain't going to happen, but if it did, these are things that both of us are going to treasure forever. We, we're going to value them and hold on to them and keep them and cherish them forever. And so, Stu, shout out to you, my friend. Really, really appreciate you, as always, my brother, and what you mean to this community. Yeah, I mean, I agree. They're right behind me on my bookshelf, and I don't just put them there for decoration. I put them there because I'm I'm proud I'm proud of them. I'm 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 grateful for them, Stu, and everybody else, and Duke for the book. And we really do have the best fan base, Chad. We say it every pod. We're not grandstanding. We're not uh, patting ourselves on the back. There's nothing self-serving with what we're saying here. We are legitimately so grateful and so blessed to have this platform, this community, and it's all owed to you guys. So thank you so so much. BNS wants to know. Hey, priest. Season record put aside. What a two and two start to the season be acceptable? Let's look at it. Tennessee conference foe playoff team. Week two Pittsburgh with a health a conference foe with a healthy Ben Roethlisberger. Week three out of conference opponent Tom Brady and the Bucks. Um, trying to remember who's week four now. I just had the uh, Broncos schedule. Hold on, this is going to bother me. All, all of a sudden that escaped me. Uh, one second here. Let me pull it up because I want to be right on this. Okay, that's right. The Jets. So would two and two be acceptable, Zach? I think it would be acceptable. I think three and one is what would get everybody excited. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not really interested in breaking up the record by quarters because I want to see what happens in the second quarter of the season, the third quarter, the fourth quarter. And sometimes teams can start slow and, and finish really strong and vice versa, start out strong and finish really, really slow. I'd rather it be the the former for the Broncos. If they have a slower start, they work out the kinks over the duration of the year and get hot at the right time, which is, you know, late December, you know, late November or somewhere around then for the playoff push. But two, they have a tough – it's not easy, Chad. The Jets are kind of a gimme, even though no, no team's a gimme in the NFL. The Bucks are beatable with Brady. The Steelers are going to be good this year, but you never know with Big Ben. The Titans should be a, a winnable game for the Broncos. But no – no, you know, surefire W's in there, Chad. That they're going to have to battle for every game. Uh, two and two should be the worst they go though. If they went one and f- one and three, that'd be a little, you know, my hand yeah. would be hovering over the panic button. A little bit, but let's not forget before you start dismissing the Jets. There's that emotional component with Adam Gase, and the last time the Broncos traveled to take on the Jets, they got punched in the mouth and embarrassed on the road. So, and don't, don't forget th- Joe Flacco. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, <laughs> Okay, so we have Ariel, I think, then, right? Because she's saying here on Super Chat, thank you for the donation. Yes. P.S. It's not the Little Mermaid pronunciation. So the Little Mermaid would be Ariel. So I'm guessing then Ariel, right? Question. Confirm for me, Ariel, if I'm getting that right, because these things are important to me. Question. Who will be the fantasy stud of week one? Is it Sutton? Is it Fant? Or is it Judy? Of those three, Zach. Sutton. You think Sutton? He's the target hog. I mean, Jerry Judy could be, but he's not established yet. And the Broncos in week one, they're going to lean on the guys they can trust. That's the running game, and that's the uh, future all-pro receiver, the bona fide top 10 guy in the NFL in Cortland Sutton. So out of those three, Locke's going to look for Sutton. That connection has been dynamite this summer, Chad, and it's going to continue into the regular season. Bye, bye high on Cortland Sutton. 
This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. All right. I I do not disagree, although I think you're going to see a red zone touchdown for Noah Fant, for what it's worth. Kenneth Booker jumping in on YouTube always brings great questions. And Kenneth, you pose so many good questions and so many topics that you broach that when we only choose one or maybe two in a, in a stream, don't take it personal. Just know that, you know, it's, we're seeing them all and uh, we choose them as best we can. He says, does it upset you when national journalists only cover the big name players and do zero homework on the rest of the league? Yeah. And that's one of the things too, though, Zach is, with regard to the hate on Drew Locke, these people should know better. Like he is a big enough name. He's the starting quarterback of one of the greatest franchises in NFL history. And it's not like he just kind of came in, you know, even think back to 2017. All right. Patrick Mahomes is a rookie. He comes in, ends up only starting one game. It's a back and forth against the Broncos on the road and he wins. You could maybe be slightly forgiving uh, for Well, you could be forgiven for not realizing that that next year he was going to become the next greatest quarterback of all time and basically jump in one year into the Hall of Fame. That's hyperbole. But nevertheless, in Drew Locke's case, he actually had more games. So you should have you should have more of a evaluation or an opinion on Drew Locke beyond, oh, he just played five games. So let's go ahead and rank Joe Burrow ahead of yeah. him or Dwayne Haskins or any of the other 2019 first rounders. It doesn't upset me. It doesn't surprise me. This is why I keep saying let him hate. And that hashtag was born and that saying was born because of the hate the Broncos have gotten consistently since Super Bowl 50 when they've become less relevant. They haven't been to the playoffs in half a decade. They've been written off. And it's comical to the point where an outlet like Pro Football Focus can rate Justin Simmons the number two overall safety in the NFL and then not put him on the top 100 
player list that they have. <laughs> it, it, that exemplified to me how inconsistent the national media is and how out of touch they are. And it seems like they hate on the Broncos for the sake of hating on the Broncos because they haven't been to the playoffs. They haven't been relevant. That is going to change this year. Don't get upset. Don't push back against it. Resign yourself to it and accept it and 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 start to revel in it because the Broncos do and they're going to prove everybody wrong this year. We got a name that I'm not as familiar with on Super Chat jumping in. Royal Dungiva. Dungiva. Really hmm. appreciate you. Welcome. Sorry if I butchered your name. Appreciate the generosity and make sure you reach out if you're on Twitter and connect with us. He wants a bold prediction for week one. Zach, if you got a bold prediction for week one, you you tender one, I'll tender one. Hmm. The Broncos will shut out Tennessee. They will win 13 nothing. kind of a defensive-oriented slugfest. That's one of them. That is a bold prediction. That is a bold prediction. Mm. I'm trying to think. I haven't given this as much thought. I'll say that Jerry Judy mm, storms onto the NFL stage. I don't want to take away from what Zach said because I do think Sutton's going to be that, that target hog and he'll get the lion's share. But I think Jerry Judy, when he gets his opportunities at the table and he gets his targets in week one, he's going to make some hay. He's going to make a lot with those targets and stretch them, if you will. I think Jerry Judy, he might not get into the end zone in week one, but I think Jerry Judy's going to have a big game where he makes several impact-type plays that go on to have a big impact on the win or the loss in the standings. Another one I thought of was that they're going to hold Derrick Henry to like 10 yards on 20 carries. Similar when they played Zeke Elliott in 2017, he had like six yards on four carries or something like that. That's my other bold prediction. But in terms of how good the Broncos defense is, and if they can just stop Henry and get to Ryan Tannehill, a shutout isn't as crazy as it sounds on the surface. That would be bold because, you know, we criticized the team last night. We spent quite a bit of time criticizing them about cutting Todd Davis and it maybe it's a take it takes the village type thing to to stop a Derrick Henry and hold him to 10 yards if they do we're going to fall on the sword and say look we were wrong they got Fangio's got this defense dialed up Todd Davis wasn't as important as we thought and these linebackers you know they're they're playing lights out and you know Jarrell Casey and that D line is going to have a lot to do and a lot of say on how the rushing defense plays in in week 1 obviously but that would definitely be a bold prediction. Royal, thank you for the super chat yeah. and the question. All right, one more here, and then we'll get back to the depth chart from KP in the house. Appreciate you, my thank friend. You, Kevin. Longtime superstar here in the community. He says, uh, hashtag exercise the demons. Where do you pull these comments from, Chad? Uh, Z-Dub, Zachary Smouse in the house needs to make a shirt. Yeah, we'll get around to an exercise the demons um, T-shirt one of these days, but that's a good idea. That's a good idea, Kevin. Appreciate that. All right, Zach, let's grab a few more of these takeaways from the depth chart release today. As you can see at wide receiver, they did another split where it, it obviously Cortland Sutton stands alone, followed by Deshaun Hamilton, Tyree Cleveland. And then opposite, they've got Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick sharing starting roles. And that makes some sense because they're going to start probably three wide receivers in game one, right? So, you know, go ahead. No, I'm just designated then. Just say he's the third receiver. Don't make him co-starters. Don't put a slash there. Put a comma there. He is the third guy. Jerry Judy is the number two guy. Let's not play around anymore. I just hate the idea of co-starters, Chad. It's lazy to me. I don't know. Maybe I'm just maybe it's me. No, I don't I do not disagree. It it's something I talk about in the written article. It's a little bit of a cop out. Not a little yes. bit. It's a cop out. A lot, right? Yes. 
Interesting as well to see here, Zach, that at left tackle, the backup listed on the depth chart is indeed Calvin Anderson, who has had himself one heck of a summer going from obscurity to not only making the roster, but being the backup left tackle. And then it was good to see officially Lloyd Cushenberry won the starting job at center. And in his credit, to his credit, he did it the old-fashioned way. Yes, he had a third-round draft pedigree, Zach, but he started on the third team and worked his way up to first team. And when he got those first team reps, he made the most of them. So it was very gratifying to see him hold down the, the job there at center. And then, of course, Elijah Wilkinson holds off DeMar Dotson for now at right tackle. Yeah, that'll change. Quarter one, week one, Shad. I, I, he's not going to hold on to that job for long. I'm really surprised Dotson didn't win out the starting job. They would rather play a rookie at center and not play a nine-year veteran at right tackle. I don't understand the disconnect there. Uh, Dotson will be the starter, though, sooner rather than later. I'm happy for Cushenberry. The Broncos got that good Cush. Been waiting to say that for a while. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we all predicted it. He held off you know, Slotman and Patrick Morris, and uh, he's going to be a good center for a while. And I think uh, a rare pivot man, Denver and Vesson, down the road. All right, then we've got at tight end, of course, Noah Fant, number one, Nick Vanette, number two. No surprise there. Interesting to see, though, that they've got Jake Butt in front of the rookie, Albert Okuwebunum, and then, of course, Andrew Beck at fullback. Now, jumping to defense, no surprise on the up front, except I think the only notable thing here is that, as we suspected, McTelvin Ajim is indeed the backup nose tackle, but you're going to see guys rotating in a lot of different spots on the defensive line. And then, of course, nothing surprising at at, at uh, edge or rush linebacker. Inside linebacker, of course, it's going to be Alexander Johnson, Josie Jewell as your starters, and the third linebacker onto the field. It's going to be Mark Barron. And if anything happens to one of the or both of the starters, I guess Austin Calitro backs up Alexander Johnson. Barron officially backing up Josie Jewell. I mean, it's it's so terrifying to me that the Broncos are one snap away from having either Austin Calitro or Mark Barron started inside linebacker. I, I, just, I still don't like the depth. I still don't agree with the Todd Davis release, Chad, but hopefully this unit can be the sum of their parts and just manage to get by for most of these games. We know who the, pl- who the factors are for number three cornerback, but unfortunately the depth chart did not give us any insight as to who it's going to be in week one because – you got the two starters listed as A.J. Bouye and Bryce Callahan. No surprise there. But the next two at the respective positions are Michael Ojemudia, the third-round rookie, and Devontae Harris. Zach, if you were to make a bold prediction, speaking of bold predictions, which one of those two guys is going to be that number three cornerback to take the field in week one in your estimation? We, we said it yesterday. It has to be De- Devontae Harris because he, he's at least more veteran. He's more experienced than Michael Ojemudia. Um, I think he will be the third cornerback. I just hate, though, seeing Duke Dawson there and not Devontae Bosby, another move that I'm not crazy about. I mean, you're, Duke Dawson, I, I guess his versatility at safety and cornerback is appealing. He's not a better corner, though, than Devontae Bosby. But, you know, we'll have to see how that kind of plays out. Yep, they've got him doing some – holding down some some – dual duties cornerback and safety we'll see i've i just haven't been impressed yet with duke dawson as a bronco so maybe this is the year that he kind of shakes that all right special teams no surprise on who the specialists are but when we get to kick returner again it's all deontay spencer but what i thought was interesting here the backup kick returner or who's going to also be out there on the field with him because you have two guys lined up deep tyree cleveland and then a punt returner if something were to happen to deontay it's bryce callahan i was surprised to see that 
he he of the bum foot who missed the entire year last year. They're gonna they're gonna make him the, and not your second round receiver who drew comparisons to Deshaun Jackson. That's what I don't understand. So we'll, we'll have to hope that there's no injuries <laughs> to that level of the team, Chad. That's all I can say. So you know, I guess what we got in terms of um, resolution on the on the position battles in terms of who was going to merge on top. The big takeaways are running back. They they copped out, listed both Gordon and Lindsay as a starter. And then also at right tackle, we learned that Wilkinson, who Fangio kept saying, Zach, it's his job to lose. It's his job to lose. He- Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. At Firehouse Subs, a portion of every purchase helps provide life-saving equipment to first responders. We make our subs differently because our subs can make a difference every day. That's why we're bringing back our daily medium sub special. Enjoy a different handcrafted medium sub at a special price for every day of the week. From Meatball Monday to Italian Sunday. Get it for a limited time, only at Firehouse Subs. Tap the banner now to start your pickup order. Hasn't lost it quite yet, but as I say in the written piece, I think this is a position that they're going to be watching very, very closely if there's any signs that Drew Locke is going to get destroyed off the right edge, which I don't want to say that – I don't want to predict that's going to happen, but I, if, if the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior, Zach, what we saw from Elijah Wilkinson last year at right tackle was not pretty. All right, 10 sacks he allowed, six penalties. So – why they're not trying to improve that with a more proven uh, veteran who's got at least experience, I don't understand out of the gates. Maybe that's them also trusting the quarterback a little bit, Zach, because Drew Locke proved, as we've talked about on this show before, in that five-game sample size, to be the toughest quarterback in the NFL, to sack even tougher than Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson and some of the great mobile playmakers. I don't want him to have to put that to the test, though. I I don't want him to have to run for his life, Chad. I mean, it kind of undoes a lot of the goodwill the Broncos have compiled this offseason. You're not putting the best tackle on the field for your quarterback. Every other move they've made this year has been with Locke in mind. And you pick up DeMar Dotson. Yeah, he's not a future Hall of Fame tackle, but he's a nine-year starter. He's experienced. He's a mostly solid guy. And you have a natural guard coming off surgery who's a sieve, who's a swinging gate at right tackle. He's He's not a natural tackle he's a guard masquerading at that spot for your young franchise quarterback who you saw get chased by his own teammates in the scrimmage he was hurried he was under pressure that should have been the indication right there get him off the field and let Dotson get those first string reps because it's a matter of when not if Wilkinson loses that job and I think it will come one week from tonight against the Titans he will be yanked from that game Dotson will go in and that will be the end of it Chad Dotson will be your starter for the duration of the year as he should have been all along 
I hope that's how it shakes out. Honestly, I really do because look, Elijah Wilkinson, he's a, he's a great try hard guy. You know, he's going to get out there and give you his best effort and he'll stop the gap and he'll do what he can, but he belongs on the inside and those feet are just too slow moving. He la- he's got power. He's got strength. He's strong, but he lacks that twitch and the foot speed to contend with the Jadeveon Clownies on the edge and the Vic Beasleys. I mean, remember what Vic Beasley did to Ty Sambrilo? Sambrilo was a significantly more gifted athlete in terms of just raw, pure athleticism, twitchiness. You know, not to say he was the most athletic tackle of all time, don't get me wrong, but compared to Elijah Wilkinson, night and day in terms of, of athletic propensity. And he got tuned up. I mean, he single-handedly allowed Vic Beasley to make the Pro Bowl that year. That's what I worry about with uh, Elijah Wilkinson. And Glenn, by the way, he wants to know if we're going to uh, – he says, are we going to be seeing a Chad, Zach, and Beast cut out at the stadium in week one? Hashtag cut it out. That'd Hashtag be cool. MHH. For those of you who might have missed it, the Broncos are offering fans the opportunity to purchase a cutout of yourself to be placed in the stands for week one. And uh, we haven't considered that quite yet, Glenn, as a podcast, but we'll take it under consideration. Good idea. Mark Langley. In the house. Been a minute since we've seen Mark. And uh, love you, my friend. It's not the same when you're not in the chat stream. You know that. Appreciate your generosity and support, as always. He says, just wanted to say, what's up? This is for KR, referencing last night. By the way, we found out from Christy what happened, the way her connection just ended. She's in California. That's not a secret. She's in California, and they've been just getting – they've been dealing with these rolling blackouts. Her power just went out. Boom, just like that. So – um, well, uh, we're, we're thinking, as Zach said toward the end of the last night's pod, third time will be the charm when we get Christy on zero technical difficulties. <laughs> but, yeah, shout out to Christy. And he says, hashtag football priest, hashtag pod MHH, and as always, <laughs> hashtag <laughs> use toilet bowls. It still makes us laugh, Mark. Yes. Thank you, Mark. Uh, Beast, do you have Jason Haggerty's super by chance? If not, we can, uh, we can do the old reverse engineer. And in the meantime, there he is. Appreciate your super chat, Jason. Thank you. He says, uh, hey, brothers, Jarrell Casey will be the talk of the league in a good way. Hey, man, I think you're onto something there, Jason. He's obviously highly motivated. He was blindsided by the trade, and it just the, the football gods couldn't have set it up any more. Ser- uh, I don't know. Is that a word? Serendipitously? <laughs> than, they, uh, could, than they did for week one, getting his, his revenge game literally right out of the gates as a Bronco. I'm not going to take credit for it because uh, Buana and I were talking before we went on tonight. What the Titans did, not only discarding Jarrell Casey, a five-time Pro Bowler for a seventh-round pick, and he said he was thrown away like trash. They brought in Jadevian Clowney. They gave him, what, $15 million for one year. Jarrell Casey's making over a little over eleven. So they went for a more expensive player in Clowney, and you have to wonder if he's the better player. He might be more uh grabby in terms of headlines and playmaking ability, but Casey's a lot better against the run. He's a great pass rusher as well. He's, uh, like I said, a five-time Pro Bowl or accomplished an all-star. You really have to wonder what Tennessee was thinking, dumping one of the best premier interior defensive linemen in the NFL for a seventh round pick. The same pick the Broncos got back for Isaac freaking Yadam of all people. True. Couldn't have said it better. How about Chris Hernandez in the house Love you, bro. Good to see you. Appreciate yes. your support each Thank and every you, day, man. And, of course, we tip our cap to the veterans in this community, Chris being one of them, a 24-year veteran of the Air Force. Much love to you, my friend, and we thank you for your service. 
He says, great questions, MHH fam. And a good reminder here, gang, click those little thumbs up. Little thumbs up. Appreciate that, Chris. We always need the reminder here for the community. Uh, John, how about Rick Heller jumping in? Thank you, my friend. Very generous super chat. No direct question within the super chat or comment, but Rick, if you're on Twitter, make sure you reach out to Zach and myself and connect with us and and we'll follow back. And we want to be able to shout you out and keep the conversation going. So thank you for your generosity and supporting this channel and this podcast. And if you have a question, feel free to drop it into the chat and we'll get to it. Lemonhead. Melvin Gordon will be Melvin Gordon will be well experienced. Okay, hold on, let me get this syntax correct. Melvin Gordon will be well experienced because the Chargers never have any of their own fans in the stands. <laughs> Zing, well said, my friend. Um, Ariel in the house. Chubb for comeback player. I think so. I'm a I'm a little too I'm a, I'm kind of scared. I'm not I'm not there with you yet, my friend. I hope so. Don't get me wrong. I'm hoping that. But that setback with the knee at the stadium game, yeah. he took himself out. And, you know, the way the, the way the messaging changed suddenly out of Dove Valley, yeah. the way the coaches are talking about him and even Elway, I'm a little bit nervous. That's not to say I don't think he's going to come back or that I don't think he'll make an impact, Zach. But I do think we got to have a little bit more – we need to inject a little more caution into our optimism than we were even, you know, two weeks ago. Right there with you. Yeah, the Broncos are talking. Like you you said it perfectly. It seemed like the tone just changed completely after that little injury scare. And they're going to keep him on a pitch count now and keep him kind of in mothballs and, and you know, ease him into the process. I mean, he might not be a full-time con- contributor for the first quarter of the season. So comeback player, uh, never say never. He had a great rookie season. But I'm looking at someone like Big Ben for comeback player of the year. I think the Steelers will have a good season this year, and uh, he will go out with a bang, I think, Big Ben. We're not eliminating it as a possibility, of course, that Chubb could be that guy, but we're still just a little bit worried about his overall health. Is he back yet? I don't think he's quite back. And if he's not quite back, it might take a you know, first quarter or two of the season to get fully back into the swing. Pobby jumping in off the top wow. rope as she returns from her time away, battling the most virulent of bugs, that CV bug. Just, you know, you don't Thank have you. to do that, my friend. And we, just know that it means a lot to us that uh, you support these, these podcasts and this channel and the MHH the way that you do, not just on YouTube, but you support us on Facebook and every which way possible. And I hope you know, I hope as, as bad as that stay was, of course, no one wants a hospital stay, gosh dang it. But I hope you were able to see through that outreach, people reaching out to you from the community, how much you mean to everybody here. Yeah, uh, hopefully you're feeling better, Bobby. And you're, this this de- donation and this generosity right now, considering what you're going through, is absolutely incredible. We genuinely, though, hope that you're feeling better. You're on the men right now. We saw the statement that you put out. It was very touching and very nice of you. And uh, we're so happy to have you in the community. Just hopefully your health is is, is feeling better. You're, that's most important. This is just a podcast. It's just football. As long as you're feeling better, that's what we care about. Amen. Amen. Uh, Dennis Woods jumping in as well. Appreciate that generosity. Dennis, another one of our really, I mean, podcast in, podcast out, consistent superstars. Appreciate you, my friend. He says, happy Labor Day, Broncos country. I can't believe Wilkinson will start over Dotson. I'm betting Dotson will get more snaps in game one and start game two. Have you decided about streaming during or after the game? Hashtag state of being. And as you guys know, Dennis is in Michigan. Thank you, Dennis, for the super chat. And um, 
We haven't decided 100%. We're definitely going to stream after the game. You're always going to get a gut reaction from this podcast after every single Bronco game. We're not 100% sure yet if we're going to stream during week one because, well, there's just a lot going on with it being the first game of the year. It's a doubleheader. It's late. We'll see. But, Zach, I think we for now we just got to let everyone know we're still deciding on that. And yeah. if we do make the decision to do it, we will be sure to let everybody know well ahead of time, heading into the weekend probably. We'll try and have a decision for you by Thursday. It's a shame there was no preseason because we wanted to test it out then. And, you know, we had we had the scrimmage that really didn't work out. We we wanted to get this off the ground. We want to try it. But like Chad said, week one, Monday night, the late game might be a little too inopportune. But sometime during the season, I think we're going to try it out streaming during the game. But as you guys know, right after, look for us, give our gut reactions. Our most fiery pot, I think, Chad, of the entire calendar year. Amen. Jeff C. jumping in on Super Chat. Appreciate you, bro. <laughs> Thank he you, says, uh, Kelberman is a co-starter with Jensen. Don't forget to add that to the depth chart. Amen, <laughs> bro. I feel Derrick Henry is going to run over Josie Jewell. Hashtag Broncos West. Hashtag Lock Era. That's our fear. I mean, we talked about it last night. It would be great if the Fangio defense, if he finds a way scheme-wise to shut down Derrick Henry, but I would be lying to you if I didn't admit my misgivings that taking your best run defending linebacker out of the equation when you have the reigning rushing champ coming to town, I can't imagine that's going to have no effect. You know, it's going to have some kind of an impact on how this game shakes out. I'm really glad you said that because I was thinking of this earlier in the pod tonight and I wanted to say it. The release of Todd Davis will either have a galvanizing effect for the Broncos. They're going to either rally around his release and, and stop the rushing champ and stop Derrick Henry, or it's going to have the opposite where they're going to be kind of forlorn and kind of pissed off, similar to how they reacted in 2017 after they released TJ Ward. They did not like that move at all. It wasn't well-received by the fan base, by the locker room, and I think the same thing could be applied to the Davis release. So they're either going to do really well against Derrick Henry or they're going to get their, their behinds blown off against Derrick Henry. So it's, it's either or on Monday night. Two of the shining examples of the females in the MHH community jumping in both of them off the top rope, Pobby and now the queen of MHH Christy, who of course last night ended abruptly and uh, we'll get that figured out for the next time. But man, just really appreciate everything you do, Christy and your support of, of MHH and your impact on this community. Everyone gets so excited to talk to you in the chat stream and trying to uh, get questions and, and comments and say something that, is, you know, they just want their chance to talk to Christy, basically. So we love having you on the show, and we'll get you back in the saddle soon. And again, thank you, Zach. Her generosity, it's, I mean, it's just unbelievable. It really is. And, you know, we feel bad about the technical issues, but we will for sure get you back on for a third time. And like like Chad said, even going back to the old Facebook Live days, 24-7 days, Christy, you've been just an OG day one ride or die, and we cannot appreciate you any more than we do. So thank you so much. She says, uh, first of all, she sent some love, some orange colored love. I agree about not having a set starter, kind of lazy, but in a way, I think Fangio is using this type of situation to help push guys to be better, healthy competition. Thanks, guys. Could be. I mean, yep. I'll tell you one thing she's right about no matter what. You best believe that's going to motivate Philip Lindsay. Like he's going to yep. see that, gets posted up on the wall, whatever, at Dove Valley, and he's going to go, What? This dude that spent a quarter of the training camp on the sideline with ribs beat me out after I dominated. 
no, 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 no. I'm going to have to go prove this out on the grass. Right. So I think it will have a galvanizing effect on Philip Lindsay. I am curious to see what it'll do for Melvin Gordon. I also agree with Christy that it's definitely lazy. I, I just, they, the players don't glean anything from that. It actually sends the wrong message. It sends confusion. And the, I think the players like to know where they stand. It's like in high school where they audition for a play and they would post a list on the door and everyone runs to the door to see if they made the cut. You won't see maybe on that list. You either make it or you don't. You're either, you know, your starter or the backup. So I think, like you said, it's going to send the right message to some people like Philip Lindsay, but other players are going to be like, what's going on? Who, who's where, what are we doing right now? Uh, Black Knight 232 jumping in on super chat. Appreciate you, my friend, Thank another you. OG been with us a long time. He says, bold prediction. We trade for a right tackle this week. Zach, that is bold, but maybe not so bold because <laughs> Mike Kliss hinted last week after uh, Davis was cut and Kalitra was acquired via trade that after talking with Elway, he wouldn't be surprised if there was one more wow trade. And if you're looking at it, trying to predict, they've kind of turned quite a bit at linebacker. So the next big hole that probably could use some help is tackle. I mean, first of all, though, any guy they acquire would have to go through CV testing and learn the playbook. He wouldn't play week one either way. And the Broncos just signed a nine-year starter, and they're not even playing him at tackle. So I don't see them picking up an additional guy when they already have some guys on the depth chart they like, some in-house guys. Uh, they have some guys from the practice squad they can promote. I don't see a trade for a lineman coming, especially not this week. Uh, Kenneth Booker, last quote, he says, why do they play with Drew Locke's help by signing sub-bar, subpar talent? At tackle, it only takes one hit to knock your QB out. That's what I'm saying. That's, that's exactly – our point, my friend. Thank you for the question and the point. Jay Ritchie jumping back in. Really appreciate you, Jay, you, Jay and Ariel. Guys, help me understand. Our franchise is riding on lock, yet we haven't allocated the right funds to right tackle. Why not sign a respectable right tackle? Zach, here's well, here's the bone I'll pick. Jay, love you. Appreciate you. But here's where I might try to broaden your perspective a little bit. The Broncos dumped 51, what was it, 51, 52 million into Juwan James. Lemon, they couldn't have foreseen a CV coming, the, the word that shall go unmentioned in 2020. No one saw that coming. And then when it came, I mean, I guess you could probably try and anticipate that if anyone was going to opt out, it was going to be Juwan James. Yeah, right. But when he did that, Zach, he really put this team in a pickle. And, you know, they could have moved quicker to go sign a, um, you know, earlier in the offseason to go get a Jason Peters or some of the other guys that were available, including Dotson, but they ended up waiting, and their option is is Dotson. The question we have here, Zach, is why, if you go out and sign the guy to come in and be your help and, and bolster the unit, why isn't he playing? Why is he not playing? He's on an 11-year vet. I don't understand, and that's why it undoes a lot of what the Broncos were aiming for this year. And I, I got to give Denver credit. they Every move they made from coaching to personnel to the draft to free agency, it was with lock in mind, and that's what you have to do is build around a potential franchise quarterback. But the last piece of that puzzle was solving right tackle. You solve left, ta left tackle, you're going with bowls, you got a center, you got a right guard. But to bring in DeMar Dotson off the street – as much as we want to, you know, bash Juwan James for opting out, yeah, it wasn't a great move, and he kind of just collected his money and dipped on the Broncos, but they still had adequate time to replace him. And it's up to the Broncos to put the best 53 on the field. 
So you can only blame James for so much. They went out and signed Amar Dotson, but they're playing Wilkinson over him right now. That's an Elway and Fangio error. You can't blame Juwan James for that. I don't know what the thinking is. It's going to take a big sack on Locke or, God forbid, an injury on Drew Locke to get Amar Dotson into the game. And I do not agree with that in the slightest, Chad. Knock on wood. Uh, Enoch Chin jumping in on Super Chat, another newer name I don't recognize on Super. Welcome. So welcome and thank you, Enoch. If you're on Twitter, be sure to reach out to us and connect so we can shout you out after tonight's show. How many sacks until Dotson gets named the starter? Kind of hammering on that same theme. I mean, I think if Drew Locke is constantly harassed off the right, right. side like he was in, right. in the first stadium scrimmage, it probably will happen by week two. But I don't know. I mean, they've stuck with Wilkinson against what we've seen as an obvious answer here from the outside looking in that Dotson should have already been. I mean, even though here's the problem, it was his job to lose Wilkinson, Zach, but the problem is Dotson in his limited first team reps, he didn't get anywhere near as many opportunities with the ones as Wilkinson did, but he didn't knock it out of the park when he did get those first team reps. And so the Broncos for now are just hedging with the guy. They're a lot more comfortable and knowledgeable with. And, and I don't think that's the wisest decision you kind of got to bank on the fact that look this guy's an eight-year starter he's started at right tackle for the last eight years let's let's put our faith in the fact that he has that experience that I'm right there with you I don't think it would take even a sack I think if he's consistently hurried in the Broncos let's say they go to halftime and the game's still within reach or they're leading by a field goal or losing by a field goal and, and Wilkinson is struggling bad I could see them pulling him then and not risking an injury or risking a loss it's not going to take much the Broncos aren't stupid either completely for having Wilkinson out there they know he, his deficiencies and they know his his ceiling which isn't very high as soon as he starts to struggle I think he's going to be yanked in favor of DeMar Dotson the question is though what if Dotson doesn't do well then what do they do then where do they go it's a whole other conundrum enter Calvin Anderson I guess and hope for the best I don't know uh four more super chats gang we're getting a little bit long here four more and then we got to get out for tonight another new name to super chat Gavin Holvik appreciate you Welcome, welcome Gavin be sure to connect with us on Twitter again same message for you my friend uh what do you feel like we need the most and how would we be able to get them uh get them love y'all much respect what do you feel like we need the most I mean, we've kind of been hammering on it, but the problem is we feel like there is at least an, an an upgrade solution on the roster, but the Broncos aren't playing Dotson. So outside of a tackle, you know, they've kind of moved things around to a point now where you just got to kind of see where these chips fall, Zach. Like they've shuffled the linebackers, added Mark Barron, Austin Calitro. They made some really curious decisions at cornerback. I mean, if anything, I would say go get Prince of Mukamara, but we just know that's yeah. not going to happen. No, I, I would. I don't think a tackle trade is coming or a signing. I don't think an inside linebacker acquisition is coming. I could see a safety, though. I, I mean, who do you have right now behind Jackson and Simmons? You have Trey Marshall, who is kind of a jag, and you have Duke Dawson, who is a cornerback and not a very good one. So one injury, again, they're playing unknowns in that secondary. I could see a safety coming in. Uh, the Prince ship, I think, has sailed, unfortunately. I don't see a tackle or a linebacker. Don't look for the Broncos to be very active. I think they're really happy with their week one squad. After that, they'll start to look at the free agent market and go from there. Yeah, at a certain point, they have to see how these moves they've made come out in the wash. You know, I mean, you're constantly trying to improve the roster, but how do you know if you improved it or not, if you don't see it in action, right? And there just hasn't been the games yet. So some of this stuff, the Broncos will be in a holding pattern for a week or two until they see some of these positions resolve on the field. Ron Dub jumping in bonafide superstar, longtime listener. 
Appreciate you. Always Thank bring you, good questions too, yes. Zach. He says, hey, guys, after Justin Simmons is signed, who do you think will be the next player signed to a long-term deal? What other player do you foresee having contention with Elway on another deal? Basically, any, any, any player, Zach, who is going to push for a max contract is going to butt up against a problem with John Elway. That's just the way yeah. it is. Does Von Miller get that record-setting deal if he isn't the Super Bowl 50 uh, MVP? I'm not sure that he does, and I hate saying that. But all we can go off of is all the other decisions he's made to provide context. And so who do you think will be the next player signed? Well, he was, what, 2016? Who in the 2017 class? Is it going to be Walker? Is it going to be Bowles? If any of one, if there's anyone from 2017, it'll be Bowles. No. And I don't see it necessarily happening no. yet. I don't see so it. So I would say Sutton, 2018. Yep. And with that 2018 class, there's quite a few guys there that are going to be eligible and pushing for an extension. Yeah, I don't think uh, Chubb is worthy of that just yet. He has to prove his health first. He had a great rookie year, but obviously he's still very much uh, recovering from that injury. Cortland Sutton is the no-brainer candidate there, Chad. Locke is a little premature to, to give him a contract extension. Noah fan. And you look at other defense, the offensive pieces, they don't really have to invest in anyone just yet. The simple, plain, obvious answer here is Sutton, and his deal will be very well-deserved. If Thank he gets you. It. Amen. And thanks again, Ron. Um your consistency every time you're in the stream, man. It just trust me, we we appreciate you. Z Dub, the designer of the very shirt that he is sporting in his YouTube profile pic, the Mile High Huddle, let them hate t-shirt. Zachary Smouse in the house. Appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. He says, Remember, guys, the Titans haven't been practicing at altitude. And that's always something that um, you know, it's usually a factor in the second half of games. So if the Broncos can put some points on the board early and then wear them down in the second half on the ground, that could end up being a, a advantage for the Denver Broncos. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's the one advantage that the Broncos have, regardless of a pandemic or CV. There might not be fans in the stands, but you'll have the ambiance, I guess you should say, or the, the characteristic, the unique characteristic of playing in Denver altitude. It's not going to be easy for the Titans, but, you know, the game is played on the field. You know, 60 minutes, four quarters, it's still going to be a hard-fought football game. By no means a cakewalk for Denver, but it could give them the advantage. You never know. Would it be worth, from Holden Adams, would it be worth it to kick the tires on offensive tackle Prince Tiga Wanago, who was cut by the Eagles? Um, I know Eric Trickle talked a little bit about him in one of his articles over the weekend of waiver wire potential, you know, interesting players on the wire. I don't think he comes in and upgrades anything. That the, I mean, maybe you bring him in and replace Quinn Bailey with him, but – I you know, the Broncos are comfortable with Quinn and they're comfortable with Jake Rogers. I don't think you would bring in Prince to replace Calvin Anderson by any stretch. Bring him in to do what? Not play him? I mean, they right. brought in DeMar Dotson and he's not he's on the bench right now behind a natural guard playing right tackle. So I don't see any more tackle moves for Denver. For so many new Super Chat superstars on tonight's podcast. It just, we love seeing awesome, it. Yeah. We appreciate you guys so much. We got Spartan2492 on YouTube jumping in. Really generous. Thank you, my friend. And welcome. Make sure if you're on Twitter, you reach out and connect with us. We want to shout you out after the show. How's it going, Mile High Huddle? I've been listening to you guys for over a year. I like hearing you guys guys on the podcast. Question, do you think Philip Lindsay will break for another 1,000-yard season? I think he's going to be close. I still am a little bit cautious in that only because I know how motivated this team is to get something out of Melvin Gordon. Yeah. I mean, they paid him so much money that 
they're going to push that envelope. And how much is that going to affect Lindsay? My hope here, Zach, is that we get more of the 2018 version of Lindsay where he is used somewhat more sparingly, not sparingly, but more sparingly. And so that his bang for buck ratio goes through the roof and you see a lot more of those big splash plays and long runs and big touchdowns. And if that happens, Zach, then he very well could, even at a slightly reduced touch ratio from last year, get to that thousand yards. But we just don't know yet. We got to see how the this comes out on the field, at least for one game, maybe two. Here's another bold take. Melvin Gordon goes down with an injury or aggravates that rib injury. Philip Blinty takes over and never loses that starting job and then goes on to have another 1,000-yard season. That is not that unrealistic. It's not that implausible. That could happen. Gordon's already injured. Lindsey's already motivated. Uh, if, though, Gordon stays healthy, all things being equal, he'll be, like Chad said, maybe 850, 900 yards. But you'll see more of those explosive plays. And, yes, including through the air. Him catching passes and making yards and touchdowns from that will happen as well. Lindsey will be an integral dynamite piece of the Broncos offense this season, as he usually is. Parting thought from Greg Smith on Facebook. Chad, Zach, just going to let you know right now, every time Drew Locke drops back to pass, I'm going to be holding my breath with Wilkinson at right tackle. You and me both. You we feel you, my friend. We feel you. Um, again, thank you to all of our superstars. Mile high salute to our Super Chat superstars, yes, also our guys. Facebook supporters. And if you're among the newer superstars like Gavin here, Welcome and thank you. Make sure you reach out again on Twitter. I'm going to hammer that one last time. But, gang, Zach, tonight was such a on-fire chat. So many good topics, so many questions, so many people both on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope. It was happening tonight. Thank you guys for spending some time with us here on your Labor Day evening to talk some Broncos. But we got to dip. We got to get out of here for now. We're off tomorrow night, Tuesday. But remember, it's Mile High Huddle. You got a podcast seven days a week from the 6 to 7 o'clock hour. And you'll have Building the Broncos tomorrow night with Nick Kendall and Carl Dumbler. Then Zach and I will be back in the saddle Wednesday night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. And Zach, any parting thoughts on the fantasy football situation and let everybody know what we got cooking? Yes, um, I did start, I did create what is now a 14-team league. It could be expanded to 16 or 18 if we need it, um, but it's filling up fast. Anyone who wants to play who's inquired about that, be sure to drop your email to me on Twitter, DM, or reply to the comment. I have a tweet up right now. Uh, but when it fills up, Chad and I were thinking, I started one league, and I think what we're going to do, if we have the interest, is start another league on top of that that Chad's going to run. might be a little smaller, but we're going to get all of our Super Chat superstars, all of the podcast listener, anyone who wants to play, hit us up, let us know. The draft, the first one, my league, will be Wednesday night after the pod. So Wednesday night, 10 o'clock Eastern. Should be a good time for everyone. But if you want to play, be sure to hit us up. The spots are filling up fast. It's first come, first serve. Let us know. Yeah, and it'll work the same. If we end up splitting it into two leagues – We'll do the drafts back to back. And yeah. I guess we can actually do them the same time because if that, if Zach's in one league, I'm in another, we can we can do the drafts at the same time. So it would be immediately following Wednesday night's live stream. So reach out to us. Let us know you're running out of time in terms of deciding on that. But as Zach said, you've got the call to action. Hit us up if you want to participate. We're only a couple of days away. Uh, in the meantime, gang, make sure you're following the podcast on Twitter, at Huddle at Pod, also at Mile High Huddle. Do not forget, and this is important, this is crucial, gang, to head on over to sportsbetting.com and enter into the million-dollar football pick'em. I'm telling you, it's fun. You'll also get to see what the spreads are against each week one game, 16 games this week. So head on over to sportsbetting.com, enter into the million-dollar pick'em, and then we'll be back tomorrow. 
or uh, Wednesday night, and then tomorrow you got building the Broncos. Don't forget. So Zach, have a great start to your week, my friend, and uh, we'll we'll talk Wednesday. You too, Chad. And guess what? We are almost to the minute, one week away from the Broncos kicking off against the Tennessee Titans and the Broncos starting 1-0 in their journey back to the postseason. Amen. It's almost here, gang. We're there. We're in game week. Follow Zach Kelberman, my partner, last thing, on Twitter, at KelbermanNFL, myself, at Chad and Jensen. And we're out of here, gang. Have a great night. Happy Labor Day to everybody. Enjoy what remains of it. And we will talk to you again Wednesday night. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 